Don't talk about Shall I? Hello, welcome back. This is episode 18 now, um, episode number three since Tommy officially became co-host um, on the other 99% podcasts where we're taking a step back from 1% gains that society has become obsessed with and instead we're talking about the other 99%. So we're really getting back to basics and we're going to talk about nutrition, sleep, training methods, work-life balance, leadership, mental health uh, and a whole host of other, other topics. Um, let's get going. Tommy, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, it's been a yeah, pr- pretty good week. Excited to be back on back on here again. Yeah, we, we tried to get it done yesterday, didn't we? And it all fell apart. Yeah, so um, what did you get up to yesterday? What did I get up to yesterday? I was working uh, most of the morning um, on, the, on the old cricket fixtures, which was good. Um, and then I was training in the afternoon, running in the afternoon, which was nice. Uh, that's a lot. It wasn't nice, but I got it done, so... <laughs> Yeah, I ended up going to, I trained in the morning, went to the pub to watch the rugby. I ran as well. What session did you do? Uh, six, lots of three minutes, 90 seconds recovery. Nice. Classic. Yeah, <laughs> I did twos yesterday, 60 seconds off. Cool. Yeah, free from I mine from, um, uh, once again, we're going to start promoting other people. It's called the Marathon Podcast. Um, it's what Martin, somebody on that, I think. Uh, it's his favourite session. He loves six by three minutes, and I I like it because it's a short one, and you can get you feel like you've done a lot in yeah. eighteen minutes of work. So yeah, it's quite a good. One, actually. Those two sessions are super similar because it's two to one work rest and about yeah. twenty minutes of work. So yeah, it's not a nice session, is it? It's hard work. Yeah, but short. So and I quite like the time blocking, and it's like when people are on treadmills, isn't it? And they say, oh, I'm going for a twenty minute run on the treadmill. That's five lots of four minutes, ten lots of two minutes. And, and people time chunk that way. So actually breaking things up is, it does make it easier psychologically, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. How's the rest of you? The longer intervals are a lot harder, aren't they, than the shorter ones? Yeah, yeah I try and avoid them. <laughs> I mean, and then, yeah, rest of the day, I went to the pub to watch the rugby, um, both of the semi-final games for the Premiership. Yeah, I got my hopes up when Quinn scored in the first couple of minutes and I thought, yes, here we go. And then Saracens... Sorry if any Saracen supporters are listening, but I can't get on board with the Saracens' victory. Uh, well, I'm obviously a big Quinns fan, and yeah, like to have three yellow cards and still not win, I think, yeah, is what it they is. They had three players on the pitch at one point as well, didn't they? Yeah. Two yellows at once. Yeah, shame, actually. But there we go. Um, how's the rest of your training going? Um, yeah, it's been good. I've trained again this morning. Um, like, like we just spoke about briefly, I've, I've gone back to more kind of like bodybuilding training or just to focus on hypertrophy. Um, a lot of my online clients are guys I work with, like most of them don't really care about strength and they just want to look better. Um, and then that's kind of like spurred me on to modify my own training a bit. So yeah, I've been having more of a focus on that and yeah, really enjoying it. Obviously like back in my uni days, that's kind of what all my training was, just focused around bodybuilding and hypertrophy. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been a nice change of pace to get back into that. Yeah, because like we've said before, isn't it? The gym is doing the same thing over and over again. So having that shift of focus does, I don't know, refresh you slightly, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, which makes it quite nice. Um, I was listening to a, a podcast with this really good strength and conditioning coach, and he said that back squats are cool again. So um, I've started putting back squats back in my training. Yeah, so I, I don't know if anyone else has listened to that episode, but it was quite good. Um, <laughs> back squats back in my own sessions. So I've had, doing that again this morning 
Um, just enjoying being able to load up a little bit and actually challenge myself through that strength range, um, which has been quite good. Um, but I'm working tonight. I'm off on a, a big school trip, so we're going away for, for an athletics competition. So Sunday night working, which is always fun. Nice. Yeah, get it in early. Um, so this week we're doing something slightly different. Aren't we? we said last week we we're going to talk about sleep. So we've gone away and actually done probably a fair amount of research, which we haven't needed to do um, for the episodes previously. Um, so we are going to talk about sleep and, and kind of the bits around it. We're looking for sleep, kind of what is it, what what makes up our sleep, and then the impact that that can have on the rest of our life uh, in terms of body composition, weight loss, uh, training, that kind of thing. And then we're going to look at a few barriers to sleep that, that sort of come about in in daily life at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I'll keep it shall I? Yeah, I was just going to say, hopefully wrap up with some really practical tips to help improve your sleep quality, um, which is what we'll yeah. finish with. Yeah, so do stick with us because you're going to get some real life lessons out of this and it's going to be brilliant for you. You're going to feel incredible. Um, so I think probably the first thing we're going to establish is that there are phases of sleep. And I think most people are probably aware of this, but probably um, just view it as like deeper sleep and lighter sleep. But actually, um, it's sort of modern research says that there are four kind of concrete um, phases. And I have had to write them down because I can't remember the details of all of them. But light sleep, which is what we enter first, um, tends to last about five minutes or should only last about five minutes. Um, and it's actually not restful at all. It's almost like a, a preparation for a proper sleep. And when I say it's not restful, um, it's because our muscles are still holding on to an element of muscle tone and muscle contraction that we would have if we were watching TV or something like that. So we're not in a, a fully relaxed state um, at this time. And then we drop into a slightly deeper sleep, um, which is fantastic. And actually, I don't know if you get this as well, when you're kind of drifting off to sleep and then you feel like you've, like you trip over something or you fall or something like that and you get that kind of shock sensation. Um, so I was reading about this quite extensively and it's basically a safety mechanism in our body from when we were sleeping in caves and things like that. You know, is it actually safe for you to fall asleep? So as your body starts to drift off, you get the shock sensation so that you can wake up and respond really quickly if you need to. So that's kind of a, a primal response that we've held on to. Um, then we've got a thing. I've, I've um, yeah, ended up hitting Jen a few times when I do that. <laughs> just throw uh, right books in your sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Wear it. Um, go, what, you were getting to the third stage, weren't you? Yeah, third stage. This is deepest non-rapid eye movement sleep. So this is considered like our deepest um, phase of sleep. It's our most restful. It's the most beneficial to us. It's where we're repairing, where we're growing um sort of building our sort of bone composition as well when, when we're growing muscles strengthen immune system recharges it's like the best thing ever for our body um and then there's rapid eye movement sleep as well which is REM sleep and I, I think that's a term that most people are, are sort of aware of where our skeletal muscle is relaxed but our, our eye movement our sort of eyelids are still moving very very quickly um and this is Sort of commonly associated with dream sleep it's also called as well so if you do have dreams and you dream a lot you probably spend a lot of time in in REM sleep as opposed to your your deepest phase um so those are our our four phases um basically so that's uh what it's comprised of 
Um, but I guess we're, we're going to get into now kind of the benefits of having what you might call a good sleep, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. Say that again. You want to get started on that one? Yeah. So, like, obviously, with my interests, I mainly look at it from a body composition point of view. And we've got something called your body's respiratory exchange ratio, which is a way to measure what source of fuel your body is primarily using. So a low RER number or respiratory exchange ratio means your body's burning a greater proportion of fat and a higher RER means you're burning a greater proportion of carbohydrates or protein. So if you don't get adequate um, sleep duration or sleep quality, that's going to increase your RER. So as an example, let's say you burn 2000 calories at rest during the day. And because carbohydrate is the primary source of almost any intense exercise with a lower RER, that may mean that you burn 1500 calories from fat, 500 from carbs or protein. And with a higher RER, it might mean that you burn a thousand calories from fat and a thousand from carbs and protein. So what does that actually mean? Well, assuming you're trying to lean out, it means you're burning less fat for every pound of weight loss on the scale. So your metabolic rate is not going to change depending on how much sleep you get. But and you'll carry on losing weight at the same rate if you're in a deficit. But more of that weight will come from muscle instead of fat. So the best case scenario is that you have enough stored glycogen to try and slow the muscle loss and you'll just lose fat at a slower rate. You'll have to constantly train with lower glycogen stores. And if you're trying to gain muscle without putting on a lot of fat, a higher RER due, due to less sleep will mean that more of each pound of weight gain will be fat instead of muscle. So really, really big implications for body composition. And if, if you're not getting good sleep and sleep quality, um, the, the progress is going to be affected massive, massively. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I liken that when you're talking about it. The first thing I thought of when we talk about the substrates that we're using, whether it's carbohydrates or fat, is like um, hybrid cars. You know, and you maybe sat in an Uber. I don't have a hybrid car, um, but you sat in an Uber. And if they accelerate slowly, it works on electric power. And when it when they accelerate really quickly, and they're doing that sort of higher intensity work. If it was a body, it switches over to petrol. Um, and I kind of view that as our RER thing. We want to be working during the day at our base level on our electricity. We want to be burning fat. Um, we want that to be our primary substrate, don't we? But if we're sort of going too intensely or our sleep quality is not good enough, we're on that petrol system, which we've then got to keep topping up as well. And we're working off the wrong substrates. And, and like you said, we're then we're not going to change how many calories we burn in a day but we're not going to start losing that fat. We are going to look different over an extended period of time if we continually work on on petrol or carbohydrate as opposed to the electricity fats. Yeah, and I can't remember the exact figures, but the, the difference is huge. It was something like a couple of kilograms over a 12-week period um, of like people being in a deficit and the change in muscle mass and fat compared to people that slept a lot and didn't sleep a lot. Um, I was just going to check the notes. I can't remember if I wrote it down. No, I don't think I did. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go back and check. Extended period of time, doesn't it? And it, it really isn't. Because um, I thought that when I'd gone back into my my own strength training, when I, I sort of stepped back into the gym seriously for the first time, and it's already been 11 weeks. Yeah. Uh, and time really does flow by. And if you, if you just make these little changes, um, actually it becomes a habit. And we'll talk about habit formation in a bit, won't we? But... Um, 
it, it really can have such a, a drastic impact over an extended period of time. And I think there's a, well, there is a very famous quote and people overestimate what they can achieve in one year and underestimate what they can achieve in 10. And if you think about that in days and months as well, we, we probably do. We're like, right, well, I want to lose weight. I want to lose 10 kilos in two months. It's unrealistic. But actually, if you put these small things into practice, two kilos over 12 weeks, that's massive. Yeah, and like I, I put it right up there with the importance that we spoke about how important a high protein diet is previously for body composition. And like it's right up there. It's one of those big rocks. It is is that important? If you're not getting, yeah, the sleep duration quality you need your body composition is going to take take a turn for the worse yeah and there are so many things now aren't there that are just getting in the way of our sleep and i think it's probably best to start at the beginning and, and dropping this term circadian rhythm that i think probably most people have heard of um but there is i think you can make it quite complicated and when people talk about this uh, and it's their area of expertise you know there is a lot of science behind this but Ultimately, um, the circadian rhythm is our body's rhythm over a 24-hour period. Um, you hear it a lot in the context of intermittent fasting and things like that and timings of foods, but it is essentially our body's rhythm over 24 hours. And as humans, we're the only species on the planet that have the ability to affect the light around us. So like the artificial lights that, that we've got in the evening. So when we were cavemen and women, when it got dark, we went to sleep and our circadian rhythm would change depending on the season. So we would spend more hours awake in the summer and fewer in the winter. But the um, the way our body works is that when that light starts to change, it stimulates um, the release of melatonin, which is going to help us fall asleep. It's one of our sleep hormones. But because we've got this artificial light, we're actually impacting um our body's response to melatonin and also the time at which it's released so we're sort of moving past that optimal sleep time because we are watching tv reading a book whatever it is but we're providing more light and more stimulus so we're actually changing and and impacting our brain chemistry um and stopping that circadian rhythm from from flowing in the way that it wants to uh, and when i was reading about this i found that really interesting because i never considered that just having a bright overhead light versus a lamp would actually in you know impact the chemicals that are going on inside me yeah so we'll come back to that with the practical recommendations as well but one of the things i did to try and improve my sleep was i got one of those sunlight alarm clocks oh yeah um which um when i was trying to shift over to starting early mornings because some of the pt work i was doing that really helped me um because i typically get up about seven or eight and i had to shift to getting up at half five six each day um and over the winter, when it is really dark in the morning, it's tough to get out of bed at that time. But that was one of the things that really helped me um, find it easier to wake up at that time and get myself into a routine. Yeah, for sure. And I think that probably the number one thing preventing sleep as well, in terms of our, our intake and our ingestion, has got to be caffeine. We are such a caffeinated society right now. And I mean, myself included, I, I love coffee. Um, and I, for years, used to drink coffee and think, well, this is going to give me energy. And that's not actually the way that caffeine works and impacts us. You don't get energy from coffee. There's no um, there's no calories in that that we can burn. But the way that caffeine works is it's, um, it's, a, it's an inhibitor. So it's an androgen inhibitor, which basically means if you've got a jigsaw puzzle and the melatonin's flown around and it wants to slot into this jigsaw puzzle, caffeine has basically blocked it so that 
this jigsaw doesn't fit together. So it doesn't give us more energy, but it prevents us becoming more tired. Now, that sounds great, but the issue with caffeine is that it's got a six hour half-life. So if you drink caffeine at three o'clock in the afternoon and you have, what is it, in a cup of coffee, maybe 150, 200 milligrams of caffeine, six yeah. hours later, you've still got half that amount flowing around your body, blocking those androgens. And those people that drink a lot of caffeine in the afternoon will struggle um, with their sleep because they are, um, they've still got this flowing around their system. The other thing about having a half-life is obviously you build up a tolerance to it. Yeah. Just, just pass over time, so you've always got some of it left over. Um, so, which is why, um, like some of the guys I follow, they'll take like a month off caffeine every now and again, just to resensitize them to, to the benefits you get of supplementing it when you do, when you do want to use it as a supplement. Yeah, and I think we probably all know a few people that say, oh, if I have a second cup of coffee, I'll get a bit jittery or I'll, I'll feel a bit strange. And I think, oh, it's been a while since that happened. Anytime <laughs> we talk about caffeine, I think back to when we used to build marquees and get oh. through the, like, straight to Blue Spark. <laughs> Tesco Blue Spark. What was yeah. it, about 40p a can or something like that? Yeah. That can't be good for you. Sugar-free. No energy, just, just we're caffeine. Back, we're driving back from one job trying to work out what our, like, um, intake of caffeine was over the day, and I think we were up at, like, 800 milligrams, weren't we? Hideous. And I, I can't remember what the RDA is, but I think that's... The RDA is actually higher than what you think it would be, um, but that is still over it. It is, and it was also the issue with the timing, wasn't it? Because we were drinking that throughout the day, as opposed to people that wake up and maybe cut off their caffeine at midday, something like that. I think that's quite a common um, attitude towards caffeine, is why I don't drink coffee in the afternoon, for example. Um, I think one of the the things we have with people that train as well is, is pre-workouts. And if it's your routine to drink pre-workout, um, I actually encountered this the other day. I had to switch my morning training session to the afternoon. And I still drank my pre-workout as I would normally. And I was wide awake at one o'clock in the morning because I don't normally drink that at that time of day. Um, normally I have it first thing and then I, I don't need my coffees, etc. But um, people that do train in the evening and perhaps need that little bit of boost, I think trying to find something other than caffeine basically is a, a better way forward. Yeah. And then just going, just going back to that, when we were building marquees, that was when we joined that 24-hour gym. We were, I think the latest we ever did was having a pre-workout at like 11 or 12 in training and then getting back up at, what, six, half six the next day again to go to work. Yeah. Um, so that's what we spoke about last episode. If you're in that situation, you probably are better off just not training, going home and sleeping um, and then getting a good session the next day. Yeah, I think that's it. We're in no way, shape or form recommending that as a, a training form or a, a lifestyle at all. Um, definitely, we'd be better off just going to bed um, and then and then going off uh, and having a proper session the next day. But then also, I think it is that type of labouring job that, that lends itself to those sort of unsociable work hours sometimes. And, um, you know, it's a very physical job, actually all stress is stress and we probably didn't need to train either because you're lifting you're moving things all day long and actually you know that's that's quite good training in itself and we haven't mentioned shift work yet but i think that's probably something for another episode as well because the balance that you need to get in those is very different to what we're talking about today with kind of controlling a, a regular sleep cycle yeah the, the people that i do know that do shift work um obviously my doctor's a, my sister's a doctor um my twin's doing night shifts at the moment 
I don't I don't know the answer to this, but I don't know if you can ever change your circadian rhythm to fit those hours. <laughs> probably not. No, I think our that's that's the thing. Our circadian rhythm is our circadian rhythm. And we then put our external um, influence on that. And that's what starts to cause this almost confusion in our body with the hormones and the signaling. Um, I'm ready to go to bed. Oh, no, I'm actually going to work for eight hours. Um, uh, and we do start to desensitize to those things, like you said, with the caffeine and, and building that up. Um, so it can be really complicated. And I think that's why um, I remember doing this at uni where um, you see older populations tend to move away from shift work because their circadian rhythm has shifted so far that shift work becomes almost impossible for them. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of, this is in Matthew Walker's book, but he talks about early and late risers. Yeah. And um, that supposedly comes from when we were in tribes and stuff. It's like a safety thing. So you'd have people to watch over the night. So some people do function a lot better shifting their day um, earlier or later. Yeah, because I, um, I always used to quite like sleeping in and i remember at my previous employment we the only time i could ever exercise was first thing in the morning and ultimately started doing it and, and waking up at it was about five o'clock every day and initially that was really really difficult um but your body really does just adapt when you're doing it day in day out it you know i would naturally start to wake up at that time which i never ever thought i'd be able to do and there's an episode on the podcast um as well, I think maybe episode three about the miracle morning and how you can use the morning to try and build your routine. But that that regular wake up time, whether you're an early riser or a slightly later riser, having that as a, a fixed point, um, I think is hugely important to good sleep. Yeah, 100%. And I'm exactly the same as you. I never thought I'd be one of those really early morning people. But even on like over the weekend, I haven't had to be up early this weekend, but I've woken up at half five, six every day. Um, but I do, I do think my body suffers a bit from it. Like I mentioned in the last episode, I got my blood work done, so I've been feeling a bit run down, and my testosterone levels have dropped, um, and like a few other biomarkers on there are a bit out of whack. Yeah, we did say about poor sleep and and how that does impact testosterone levels in the body. Obviously, more so in men than it does women, but. Um, if you are one of those people that can recharge the batteries on the weekend and get just a couple of extra hours, I think the issues that we we create for ourselves when we get to the weekend and instead of waking up at six, we wake up at 11 or 12 and then we're still trying to go to bed at the same time. That's when we start to, to ruin the cycle because we can't fall asleep because we've not been up for very long um, or we end up going to bed much later because we're not tired and, and that rhythm, that cycle is broken. And it is a recurring theme in this episode that we need that that regular um, sort of attention, I suppose. Yeah, that, that's one of the, the most important things is just waking up at the same time every day. Even if your bedtime changes and you end up going to bed a bit, a bit later, still getting up at the same time will help you keeping that keeping that routine. Yeah, and when we talk about um, some of the other barriers to that, um, we've got things like the blue light, uh, we've got the the overhead lighting that we've introduced to ourselves as well, and the the kind of noise and stimulus that exists in the world that never used to, did it? You know, you used to leave work and um, that was it. There'd be no more communication, there was no email, there was no phone calls, there was no stuff coming through to your phone. And now with people working from home as well, I think those lines are even more blurred that actually your office is 
literally next door to where you sleep uh, and creating that separation and removing that level of um, stress before you go to bed, I think is something that we probably need to, to tap into and we can talk about um, the meditation, the breathing side of stuff again and, and how that can impact what you're doing. Yeah, should we move on to some of our practical recommendations for improving your sleep? Yeah, go for it. So like the, the few that I've jotted down, make sure your room is cool and dark. Um, like you mentioned before, your body temperature has to drop. Is it one or two degrees for you to fall asleep? I think it's two degrees in your environmental temperature is optimal. Yeah, so ma making sure your room is cool for that reason and then obviously dark, like you, like you spoke about, um, regulating that melatonin. So they're the, they're the first two, make sure your room is cool and dark. Minimise your screen time two hours before bed or think about getting a blue light setting on your phone. Um, so I think most iPhones have that sleep setting now, don't they? So you can put your hours that you want to go to bed and wake up on there, which is a really yeah. handy feature to block out that blue light. And I also use a programme called Flux on my laptop and really similar to how um, the sleep function works on your iPhone. You just set your sleep and wake time and then it will automatically apply the filter two hours before for that. Yeah, that's and, really clever. And then the the last one, go go to sleep and wake up at the same time. But most importantly, make sure you're getting getting up at the same time each day. Yeah, and actually, um, I think as well with with the use of technology, just trying to minimise that as much as possible. Having those do not disturb settings as well, because I've been in bed before and I've forgotten to turn those things off and then it buzzes on your phone and then it buzzes on your smartwatch and you're trying to go to sleep and you're thinking, oh, what's that? Um, you know, checking your watch instead of just, you know, relaxing and, and starting that sleep process. <coughs> yeah, so so having those is really, really important. Just on that as well, I listened to a podcast recently, I can't remember the name of the sleep expert, expert on there, but they were saying if you're one of those people that really struggles to fall asleep like you get into bed and your mind's just whirring and you can't fall asleep you're better off just staying up wait until you're tired and then go to sleep because even if you end up getting five or six hours but it's really good quality um, and then you can look to build up the duration after that but just getting your body used to you know like head hitting the pillow and falling asleep really quickly can be a beneficial thing in the long term for improving your sleep duration and quality massively and i think that um for me, there's just so much more, particularly on this topic, because it's something that if you're going to talk about, you need to have researched. And I think there's less um, pseudoscience around sleep than there is other things um, out there. But I was um, watching the the Generation Iron uh, documentary recently, and it's got um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in there. And he talks about... Um, how he needed to fit extra things into his day in order to get the acting and the filming and stuff and he says if you need eight hours of sleep a day tough sleep faster and that's just that's ridiculous isn't it? you can't sleep faster but now i think people are more aware of the importance of sleep and the impact that it can have on our day yeah definitely and like we've seen that with the younger generations in the fitness industry in general like there's a lot more people that are into maintaining a ha active healthy lifestyle compared to older generations yeah and you know there are life stresses that are going to impact your sleep but if you're aware of that and then you're you're tailoring your training and your exercise around how your body's actually feeling you know if you if you normally sleep eight hours a night and you've only had four and a half five it's very likely that your session that next day is not going to be 
perhaps as productive as you planned um, or your run is going to be a little bit slower or your heart rate is going to be higher in certain tempos but if we're aware of that we're okay with it whereas if we're not aware of it we're, we're fighting through and we're pushing those things and we're taking more caffeine etc etc to to make those sessions happen uh, and actually we're sort of compounding the problem so main takeaways sleep practical recommendations we've got blue light um settings on phones so turn those off i don't actually know the science behind blue light um but there we go just turn the blue light settings off uh, <laughs> overhead lighting uh, if if possible, remove that from your evening routine. So use a lamp instead of like your main room lights. Um, F Lux apps for laptops. Again, it, it's blocking that blue light stuff. Uh, sunrise alarm clock. So what does this actually do, this sunrise alarm clock? So half an hour before your alarm's due to go off, it starts gradually getting brighter and brighter. So it's meant to replicate sunrise. Ah. Um, so you, you find that it's really good. You find yourself waking up before your alarm goes off just because the light wakes you up more naturally. That's really quite clever. And yeah. it, that reminds me actually, because the, um, is it whoop now? But it will like monitor your heart rate variability throughout the night and try and like wake you up at the optimal time or something. I think, do, you know, do you know much about that? No, I looked into those Aurora rings as well um, for sleep tracking and, and waking up at the right time. But I'm not a hundred percent convinced for the cost. Yeah. Uh, in terms of that, you know, the thing is, a lot of these companies are switching to that subscription model now. Yeah. If you're financially, um, like, if you if you've read about finance, like that's how those companies make all of their money and leave you a lot poorer. So, like, depending on how much value you place on it, it's um, yeah. So I actually, um, I use my Garmin for sleep, and I, I don't know how accurate. Um, realistically the Garmin is in terms of your phases of sleep but I you know at least it is consistent um, which is why I think Garmin probably trumps the Apple watch because you can't really wear that overnight because the battery life um, but it is interesting to see how um, certain factors can impact it so like I said I had the pre-workout too late so I had a, a terrible sleep score but also um, alcohol just massively impacts sleep where normally I'd expect to get somewhere near an hour of full deep sleep. If even just a couple of drinks, that would be five minutes worth of deep sleep left. It, it completely obliterates um, your sleep quality. So even if you sleep the right length, the quality is so poor. So, you know, obviously I'm not going to say cut alcohol from your life, you know, completely, but it is another factor to be aware of as you're trying to live an active, healthy lifestyle. If you're going to do that, you're going to need to adapt the next day and you're going to need to adapt your training. And then the other practical recommendations we had were um, keep your room dark and cooler and that will help you fall asleep as well. So I think the recommendation is during the day. I think it's about 21 degrees um, to 23 for sort of general day-to-day -day life. That's about optimal for work. So when you're going to sleep, you're looking somewhere between 18, 19 up to about 2021. Um, we've got a little... Um, our CO2 monitor has a thermometer in it as well, so we can kind of see how how cool the room is. But you know, closing your curtains early in the day, for example, um, is going to help keep your room cooler. Um, that type of thing, um, which is strange, isn't it? You have a cooler room, and then people put a thicker duvet on. Um, but it is it is proven having a slightly cooler room will make you sleep better. Perfect.
Um, actually, we've we've done really well on the, the social media. It's picked up again this week, hasn't it? So follow us at the other ninety nine percent on Instagram. Uh, there's lots of good stuff on there. Upcoming episodes, highlights from different episodes that we've recorded as well. Um, but I think we're also looking to make this like a base of good information. So we are sharing um, and putting out there other stuff that we find that other people are doing um, that's good information as well. So it's not just us um, out there. Obviously, we're looking to promote everybody else. And we'll be getting on YouTube soon as well if you want to see us as well as listen to us. Yeah, we haven't established what we're going to call that yet. So <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know on that one. And then next week, should we get Will? Um, my housemate from uni is a physio. We could get him on. Yeah, we get a physio on next week. I think that'll be interesting. We're going to talk um, and kind of pull some of these topics together, um, looking at life stresses, sleep, training, and how that links to injury and recovery as well. Yeah. Amazing. Looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah, see you same time next week. Same time next week. See you later. Bye-bye.